Infidelity. Unfortunately, almost everyone nowadays has first or second-hand experience with infidelity. Either you yourself were cheated on, you know someone who has been, or maybe you even took part in a love triangle, however willingly or unknowingly. The sad tragedy of it is that, in our modern times, we have seen a significant rise in cheating, divorce, and overall promiscuity. This tends to spill over into relationships, and even more sadly, marriages, as we'll see in today's story. The outcome of this is varied, and usually depending on the individual specifically, but most cases end up in the separation of the pair involved. Sometimes, though, things tend to take a darker turn than just a breakup. In tonight's case, we'll see how one user's cry for help on Reddit turned deadly as the family dealt with the cheating scandal, and how sometimes things on the internet are much more real than they can appear. Warning. This episode will feature discussions of death, infidelity, suicide, and murder that may cause discomfort or stress. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to The Midnight Channel. I'm your host, Devin Leal. This is the show dedicated to the exploration of everything dark and disturbing this world has to offer. This is episode 2 of the main series here on the podcast. In tonight's episode, we're taking a look at a case of cheating turned deadly for an unfortunate Reddit user by the name of Jason Worley, better known as his handle, Jason in Hell as we follow a series of posts he made to the site. In his initial post to the Relationship Advice subreddit, Jason detailed his struggle to forgive his wife after finding out that she had been sleeping with their neighbor and eventually taking her back. At first glance, the case seemed to be very normal or average as far as struggling marriages go, but as we'll see, that did not remain the case for very long. So, let's get into it. In late 2016, Jason, known then by his username, Jason in Hell, posted a lengthy thread to the Relationship Advice subreddit explaining that he had caught his wife cheating on him over a year prior and after taking her back, was struggling to forgive her and move on. This is his original post. I'm having a hard time coping with my wife having cheated on me. In this title, he also details that he is 30 his wife is 29, and the man involved is 51. Let's carry on. I caught my wife cheating on me over a year ago. I stayed with her for the sake of our children, but I haven't been able to get it off my mind since. It has been 476 days since I confronted her about it. How do I know? Because every time I catch myself thinking about it, I tell myself, it's only been X days. Maybe you won't think about it again tomorrow. So, to go back to the beginning, 
I had just taken on a new project and new responsibilities at work. I was working a lot of hours, 60 plus per week, and was noticeably stressed. It was May of 2015, and I noticed that she had added a password to her phone. When confronted her about it, she told me that it was because she was planning my Father's Day present and didn't want me to ruin the surprise. About a week later, she came to me and told me that she felt guilty keeping a big secret from me and told me that she was having our neighbor, a contractor, build a home office for me as a present. It struck me as odd, as in our six years together, she has never said she felt guilty about anything and always insists that she never regrets anything in her life. Time goes on, her phone is still password protected, and things don't feel right. I see her using her phone and smiling to herself more and more often. But when I ask her what she is doing, she says nothing and puts her phone away. So one morning, I wait for her to get into the shower, and I grab her phone before it requires the password. I go through her messages and find that she is texting the neighbor. I'm all covered in frosting. You want to lick it off? There were no other messages to the neighbor, but I found out later that was because she had set up her phone to delete messages after a certain amount of time. I felt uncomfortable with it, but I knew she had a perverted sense of humor, and I thought she would never do anything to hurt me. More time goes by, and the neighbor is spending more and more time at our house, but the office is being completed slower and slower. I can't help but worry that something isn't right, so I start checking her location using Google Timeline. It was at this point that I realized there are large gaps in her GPS history, because she was turning off her phone's GPS. Fast forward to July, and at this point, the paranoia is driving me nuts, so I tell her that I need to install a new antivirus on her phone. While she has it unlocked for me, I install anti-theft software so that I can remotely turn the GPS back on and set up AT&T Message Backup and Restore so that I can read all of her text messages from that point on my computer. The next day, my mother asks to spend time with my two kids, so my wife drops them off with her and has the day to herself. I watch my wife's activity from work as she spends the day trying to meet up with a neighbor, but it's unsuccessful because he is busy with another job site. That night, we get my kids back from my mom's house, and we go out to dinner with the neighbor, his girlfriend, and his son. My wife and his girlfriend are having a good time, drinking, laughing, and just joking around. His girlfriend mentions that she would like to see Magic Mike XXL. I say it's a good idea. I'll watch the kids so my wife and her can go. So my wife and her go, and the neighbor and I go back to my house so the kids can play video games together. The kids are back in my son's room playing games, and the neighbor is sitting across from me on the other couch. It is at this point my wife starts texting him. She is describing sex acts she would like to perform with him, and he is reciprocating. She tells him to check his Snapchat, and at the same time, I get a Snapchat from her too, and it's her fingering herself in a bathroom stall. They keep talking, trying to figure out when they can meet up and have sex. They decide on Monday morning after I go to work. So in my head, I had already planned to pretend to leave and circle back to catch them. But then, they tell each other that they love each other, and it's all I can do to not leap off the couch and knock him out. But I contain myself and continue reading the conversation unfolding in front of me. Then, he tells her, You're my girl now. To which she replies, Always have been. Ending with him writing, 
and always will be. My wife and the neighbor's girlfriend returned from the movie, and I asked them politely to sit down. I then asked the kids to stay in my son's room and shut the door. I return to the living room and confront my wife and the neighbor. I say, so you two love each other, huh? My wife goes into full-blown denial mode, and the neighbor's girlfriend starts smacking him. I ask my wife if she has been texting him, and she says no, so I show her the text messages. She admits to it, but says it was the first time that it had gone that far. I ask my wife if she has sent him pictures. She says no, so I show her the picture. She admits to it, but says it was the first time. I ask her if she is having sex with him, and she says no. Because I didn't want to catch them having sex together, I didn't have any evidence to prove her wrong, so that one stayed unresolved. I tell her that I'm leaving her. She tells me that she will make sure I never see my kids again if I do. She planned on using the fact that I had attempted suicide in high school to prove me unfit to have the children. She continues to say that it was my fault for being so busy with work and stressed out, that she just wanted someone she could talk to. Then, she gives me an ultimatum to decide what I'm going to do, or she will decide for me. The neighbor's girlfriend starts defending the two of them, saying that it couldn't have been that serious if they weren't having sex, and that my wife and I are too perfect together to let this break us up. The neighbors go home, and my wife and I argue for the rest of the night about what we are going to do. We go to bed separately, having not resolved anything. We are going back and forth on the subject all weekend, and finally settle on, we were going to separate temporarily while we figure out what we want. I was going to stay in the house, and she was going to take the kids and go to her mom's house. That Monday, I go to work, and I get a text from her in the middle of a meeting with my bosses, stating that she has explained things to our kids, but they were upset, and I needed to explain it to them also. I get home from work to find my kids crying. She had told them that mommy had to move out because dad was mad at her. When my son wanted to stay with me, she told him that he can't. My son put it together that if mommy has to move out because I'm mad at her, and he has to move out, then I must be mad at him too. My daughter was crying because my son was. I don't think she was old enough to understand what was happening. It was at that moment that I realized she was going to drag the kids through hell if I left her, so I swallowed my feelings and begged her to stay. She agreed and insisted that I apologize to our neighbor since we were still going to need to hang out with them because our sons were good friends. I hate it, but I do it anyway. We still hang out with them from time to time, and they come over to our various birthday and holiday parties. I do anything for my kids, so I behave civil every time. Things die down for a while. I still think about it constantly. I worry about how I can keep from making her so unhappy that she cheats on me again. Then, almost a year from the original incident, around Father's Day again, she sends him pictures. Again. She claims that it was an accident and that she meant to send them to me instead. I don't fully believe her, but I move on anyways. Things have been quiet on that front for about four months now, but I still think about it constantly. This is going to sound stupid but I feel like I have a part of my brain that I can't shut off, that is always thinking. I used to use that to solve programming problems, and it made me very good at my job. But ever since this incident, the only thing it thinks about is her and him and if I did the right thing. My job performance has suffered. 
and it feels like I haven't gotten sleep in months. I'm afraid that after this much time, and the fact that I begged her back, that to say that I want a divorce now would only make her more vindictive towards my children and I. I just feel like I have put myself so deep in a hole that I can never get back out. I haven't really talked to anyone about this. I didn't want to talk to my mom about it because she would treat my wife differently, and I didn't need the two fighting any more than they already do. I tried talking to one of my friends about it, but his advice was that I put my trust in God. But that was not much solace for me, as I am an atheist. So, I have no clue what to do with my feelings or how to move on from this. Initial responses to Jason's posts were mostly varied, but regardless, still seemed to be overwhelmingly negative. Lots of people were understandably frustrated and concerned for Jason and his family. Here are some direct quotes from the comments of that original post. Reddit user Monsieur Ledoud said, quote, You are trying to navigate this alone, and you should seek counsel ASAP. You should have done this months ago. Your wife's threats should hold no weight until you can get a professional legal opinion on your exposure and the divorce. You won't be doing your children any favors by remaining in a marriage that is now founded on lies, infidelity, and outright bullying. She made you apologize to your neighbor, and you did it? Come on, man. You cannot honestly say that you see any sort of future here that isn't a hell on earth for you. So, for the sake of you and for the sake of your children, get to a lawyer ASAP and follow his directions to the letter. End quote. Most of the replies following this comment all seem to agree with Ledoux's assessment of the situation, but a few other Reddit users weren't so kind-hearted or concerned. Mainly, they seem to be focused on the fact that Jason eventually took back his wife. Reddit user could have been stated, quote, I cannot believe you stayed with her. I cannot believe you begged her to stay. I cannot believe you apologized to the neighbor. End quote. Another user, by the name of The Comic Serpent, commented, quote, Smack the shit out of that old man, go to an attorney, I hope you saved all that evidence, and talk about ways to get custody of your kids. Your wife is a twat. End quote. With the amount of traction this post was getting at the time, and with the amount of comments starting to pile up, it only seemed inevitable that eventually, Jason would come back with an update especially since he was primarily sharing his story to get advice and cope with the stress. And just a few short weeks later, he would return with an update in the form of another post. This time, the post was much shorter, and it basically just thanked everyone for their input. This is what it said. Instead of trying to fix something that she doesn't want to fix, she has refused to go to counseling several times in the past before this even happened. I am going to get myself and my kids out. I meet with an attorney next week. Thank you, everyone, for helping me see how far my head was up my ass. Responses to this update post were extremely positive across the board, and everyone seemed to be celebrating and congratulating themselves for having participated in such a good deed. One of the comments that stuck out upon my researching this episode was when a Redditor by the name of Forever Tomorrow Again commented, quote, we did it again, guys, group hug, end quote. 
which was then followed by a mysterious reply in which a link to an article was attached. The reply simply stated, quote, Not sure if you saw, she killed the kids. End quote. Following the link listed, it takes us to a news article discussing a case where a mother brutally stabbed her 7-year-old son and 3-year-old daughter before ultimately turning the knife on herself and trying to commit suicide. Here is what the article said. Taken from an article written by RTV6 ABC, the case is described as, quote, Montgomery County mother charged with two accounts of murder and deaths of her daughter and son, end quote. The article goes on to read, A Montgomery County mother was charged with two accounts of murder after police say she admitted to killing her two young children. According to the probable cause affidavit, Brandy Worley told police that her husband was divorcing her and, I didn't want him taking the kids, so I stabbed them. Police say that Brandy Worley, 30, called 911 around 4.30 a.m. Thursday from her home on the 200 block of Madison Street in Darlington, Indiana. She told the 911 operator, quote, I just stabbed myself and killed my two children, end quote. The article goes on to state that, in that same phone call to police, Brandy would eventually say, quote, I just wanted to die with them, end quote. Throughout the call, Brandy is strangely calm and composed as if unaffected, while she speaks about the horrific crime. She keeps this monotone voice all throughout the rest of the call and even on into her sentencing. It is reported that after authorities arrived on the scene, Brandy was moved to a Methodist hospital in Indianapolis to be treated for the deep lacerations in her neck. She was later formally charged with two counts of murder after she was released from the hospital. The sheriff overlooking the case commented to the same news source mentioned, saying, quote, I can't even imagine the pain and grief the families are experiencing this morning. Please keep these families in your thoughts and prayers. End quote. Later on in the article, it mentions the children's father, Jason Worley, stating that he was asleep in the basement when the incident occurred. The article then goes on to state that court documents were found that showed Jason had filed for divorce that previous Wednesday, citing irrevitable breakdown in the marriage as the reason for divorce. Apparently, Jason had also requested custody, visitation, and child support benefits as part of the divorce agreement. But, wait, is this the same Jason from the Reddit posts? The one that some user apparently made the connection of? Or, is this just another case of strange coincidences? Well, Reddit users at the time, being exposed to this live, were wondering the same thing. The case gained even more traction and hundreds of people flooded to the initial post, questioning to themselves if they actually just stumbled into a murder investigation. Then, after weeks of complete radio silence, Jason would return. In another post uploaded to the site, Jason briefly confirms that everyone's speculations were true. This is what he wrote. In a post titled, Thank You, Jason in Hell goes on to say, quote, I would like to give a heartfelt and sincere thank you for the advice and support I have received here. 
No one could have foreseen the tragedy that resulted from me filing for divorce. You guys perform a wonderful service to those in need, and I hope you continue to do so in the future. End quote. At the very tail end of this post, he links the same article mentioned before, confirming even more that this case was much more real than anyone could have anticipated. As I mentioned before, Brandy, after killing the children, attempted to commit suicide, and as she was bleeding out, she called the police. Oddly enough, the stab wound to her neck did not kill her, and she was rushed to the aforementioned hospital to receive treatment. It was about a week later after this incident when she was admitted into custody, where she waited for over 476 days until she received her final sentence. She was initially charged with two counts of murder and was officially convicted of these charges in 2018. This roughly totals to about 120 years behind bars. A life sentence. After the sentencing, Jason Worley was quoted saying the following statement. Quote, She appeared to be just as unremorseful as she did in the 911 call. She spoke in a very matter-of-fact manner when describing her crime. It was heart-wrenching to hear her speak as she did. All I want, and have ever wanted, was to have her out of sight and out of mind, so I can move forward from this horror. End quote. As of this writing, Brandy Worley is still in prison serving out her life sentence, with no expectation of parole. She will be there for the rest of her life. In the case of Jason... He returned to Reddit later on under a different username, Jason Encode. He provided a much-requested update on the situation and how he had been coping through all of the events. This is what he wrote in a post titled, An Update from Jason in Hell. I am doing better, and I continue to get better every day. The first thing you may notice is that this is being posted from a different account. I deleted the Jason in Hell account in a knee-jerk reaction to seeing my Reddit posts in the news. I guess the first question to answer is, how am I doing? And to that I would say, I am doing well. I have bad days, but I think that is to be expected. It is just important that I, or anyone else going through something, continue to use the support of friends and family as well as good coping skills to not let myself be completely defeated on those bad days. I won't lie, I struggle to get back to where I am. For some time, I refused to sleep because of my combination fear of what I would wake up to and nightmares about that night. For a time, I used alcohol to sleep, but my family loved me enough to take it away before it became a damaging and permanent habit. I was hospitalized because I did have thoughts of ending my life because I miss my children so much. From that, I learned that you should never be ashamed of your mental health and not seeking treatment will only make it worse, not better. We have all heard it, but if you or a loved one is struggling to seek immediate assistance, your life is too important to throw it away in a moment of weakness. By putting off treatment, I only caused everything else in my life to suffer. I lost my job and became reclusive to the house. But don't worry. I have been back to work since December 
and I have nearly regained my former position and salary, so I am good and require no assistance. The second question would be, how do I feel about the sentencing? That is something that is harder to answer, because no matter what the sentence is, nothing would bring back my beloved children. Do I think she should have gotten the death penalty, which Indiana has? No, I do not. She wanted to die, and after nine years of giving her what she wanted, when she wanted it, I was not going to give her another thing. Do I think the life sentence will have any applicable effect on her? I don't know. One thing she always stressed for the entire time that I knew her was that she lived her life without any regrets. Even after I caught her cheating on me, she continued to say she had no regrets. As for the ex-in-laws, they still continue to be a problem to this day. Shortly after everything happened, they changed the locks on the home I was renting from them with my property still inside. After trying to civilly negotiate the return of my property, it was required that I involve law enforcement. That is an ongoing legal battle. A member of the family accused me of stealing property I had purchased from them prior to the death of the children and threatened to take action against me unless I paid double of what I had already paid them. I alerted authorities, and as far as I know, that one is resolved. They continued to make visiting my children's grave difficult. During the one-year anniversary, they sat in their truck and just watched me the whole time I was visiting the grave. Because of that, I don't visit the grave as often as I would like to. If I can impart something on you that I have learned through all of this, it is that you should always take the time to be with the ones you love. It doesn't matter if they are asking you to read The Pokey Little Puppy for the millionth time or asking you to play Smash Bros, even though you both know that they will wipe the floor with you every time. Just do it, because you never know what time will be the last time. Always make sure they know how much you love them. I had the fortune that the last thing my children ever heard me say was, I love you. Good night. I will see you in the morning. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope that through this episode, you are able to take something from it. Something other than Jason was wronged. Cheating is bad. I chose this specific topic because of how much it moved me upon discovering it over a year ago. Please take care of each other out there. We have enough ghosts and ghouls to worry about in the shadows. We don't need to be worrying about our significant others, too. I'd like to thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with your friends and leave a review, if possible, with the platform you're listening on. It really helps the show reach more people. If you'd like more disturbing content, feel free to browse the other episodes of this show. We upload twice a week, every week, bringing you new horrifying darkness. Resources used and a link to support the show will be listed in the show notes for today's episode. Well, that's it for me. Be safe out there and hug your loved ones a little closer tonight. You never know when things may take a turn for the worse. God bless. The Midnight Channel was created by Devin Liel. This is an original show written, recorded, and produced by Devin Liel.
This broadcast has been concluded.